The views expressed in our Chop Talk podcast are those of the individual participants only and do not necessarily express the views of the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity or its chapters or members. Our Chop Talk podcasts are intended to be as open and honest with our members as possible, but we acknowledge that certain topics may be sensitive, graphic, or emotionally challenging. Please use your own discretion to avoid any material that you may find potentially painful or difficult. Hi there. Welcome back to Chop Talk podcast. Um, I am unfortunately not joined by my covert today. It's very, very sad. I'm I'm having withdrawals from him. Uh, so it's just going to be me. Um, so I wanted to intro this podcast. It's uh, part two. And you can actually see us this time. It's so exciting. Uh, so we are um, joining Dr. Anthony Bradley again. And we are also joined by Troy Medley, our CEO, um, for a great conversation just about how the uh, higher education landscape is really changing and what we can do as Lambda Chi Alpha to um, really just get the best members and have them, you know, reap the benefits from fraternity life. So I'm so excited to get into this conversation. Um, so let's go. And welcome back to the Chop Talk podcast. My name is Taylor Weitzer. I am not joined by Michael Covert today. Very sad. Uh, but we are continuing our three-part series with Dr. Anthony Bradley. Our first uh, conversation we had with him was so, so great. We uh, really got into you know, why fraternities, why that is so good for our men, um, and how that can kind of you know be the hero in college and maybe save America. So we, it was a great conversation. We talked about um, Dr. Bradley's book, um, and I will plug that again in this, in this conversation. But today I am also joined by not only Dr. Bradley, but Troy Medley, um, a longtime listener of the Chop Talk podcast and a frequent guest. So we're so excited to have him back. So I'm going to bring him on and we're going to get this conversation started. So how are you guys? Thank you so much for joining us on on part two. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a much must listen to. Yes. And thank you, Dr. Bradley, for rejoining us for part two. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we kind of started off this, uh, this conversation in the first part by really just giving a broad overview of, um, you know, what you talk about in your book, uh, Dr. Bradley. So would you mind just giving us like a quick little recap of, you know, why fraternities are so important um, and kind of the benefits of what we talked about in our, in our first conversation? So I've said it many times, I'll say it again, that joining fraternity is one of the best decisions a young man can make in college, period. Uh, if he's at a university that has them, uh, it, they will change his life and they will make him a better man, especially if he's in a, if he's in a chapter that is focused on formation. And one of the things that I think is really important for people to understand is that fraternities are really positioned to transition a young man into adulthood in ways that no other institution outside of probably sports, maybe ROTC, uh, can do on a college campus. If he doesn't join a fraternity, he's going to miss out on, on that. And that's just, that's just a fact. The data bears that out. And I think it's important for people to understand this. I think for myself, as someone who plays a fraternity in, in college, it is one of the most important future shaping institutions that exist in America. Other, other countries don't even have these things on their university campuses. 
But I believe that they can do this. I, I believe that they can position men uh, to use their power and their presence and their strength and their creativity for the benefit of their brothers and those around them. Yeah. And that as a framework for me is, is a way that I describe the entire project, the heroic mm-hmm. fraternity project, is to really celebrate those chapters and those men who are using their presence and their creativity and their power, et cetera, for the benefit of their brothers and, and those around them. And those are the sorts of chapters that make their campuses better. And those are the sort of chapters that graduate men and send them into society to also make it make it better. These are the sorts of men that that, that we release into culture to change the world. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Thank you for that recap, too. Um, And before we kind of get into the topic of today, uh, I would love to just hear, you know, Troy, your opinion on what Dr. Bradley just said and maybe from your own experience too, why you think that fraternity is so important. Well, uh, Dr. Bradley, so when I was I was reading your book by my pool this summer and my wife thought I was having uh, an episode because I just kept going, yes, (laughs) yes. Uh, I was getting so animated um, because you kind of describe you know, my personal formation. I, I grew up with, a, I lived in 18 houses before I was 18. Uh, my father was in my life, but not in my life. Uh, I was in constant search of, of role models. And I didn't find them until I found my, uh, walked into a fraternity house, having no idea what it was. And I met this guy who was the president. His name was Rob Marty. He, he kind of grabbed me. He became my big brother and through the, his leadership and the leadership of some of the seniors, you know, they kind of rebuilt me and not just me, they rebuilt all these guys looking for a place to belong, but that's not enough. A place to become, I love the way you talk about it, a place to become and being a part of them is such a, an elemental part of our life. Uh, one of the reasons I was almost late today, a 78 year old alumnus came into our office today and I hadn't been in here since uh, he worked here in the 60, 69 and 70, but this was his home. This is where he found himself. Uh, and he kind of talked about his life and the lessons that he learned. And I hear that I travel the country. I hear this. The, I love meeting our young men, but I'm inspired when I meet our, our old, our old men who talk about the lives they've built and the legacies they're leaving because of what they learned. So, um, You've, you described it beautifully. I never thought about it as heroic, but men need heroes. And I was lucky. I, did, I didn't know it, but I found mine. Luckily, I found mine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about in the first part of, you know, men needs these tribes and these connections. um, And it all kind of goes into this idea of fraternity. Um, So I think that that's, you know, that's a great connection. And it also made me think of too, um, you know, we were talking with Dr. Bradley in the first part of, you know, 10, 20, 30 years can go by, but when you get these men back together, it's like not a single day has gone by. And so I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of rest friend. Um, and it's like the brotherhood has never ended when we get back together. It's amazing that you can, you can just all of a sudden be that comfortable with another human that you haven't seen in a decade or more. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, getting into what we're talking about in this part, um, you know, we set the stage with fraternities and, and why they are so beneficial and why they're needed. But I really wanted to focus today more on the higher education landscape, you know, because it is changing very, very drastically. Um, you know, I can say from even when I was in college, I graduated in 2016, it is completely, completely different. So uh, Dr. Bradley, I'd like to start with you. What can you tell us about how you've seen that higher education landscape change over the years? The one thing that your alumni should know and I'll say this as clearly as I possibly can, the college experience that they saw, that they lived through, no longer exists. It's a completely different landscape now. It may be the same campus, but it's not the same experience for a couple of reasons. One is it's a different generation, right? Mm -hmm. So if they were, you know, sort of millennials or Gen Xers or older, it was a different era. Uh, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, different things were happening in the country. There was no COVID, right? It's, it, was, it was a completely different world. So we have to take into account just some of the basic sociological changes and be okay with the fact that as we think about, and, and this is something that we talk about in my own chapters, Alumni Association, mm -hmm. we have to be careful to not say, well, well, why don't they just do what we did? Or why don't they just program like we did? Or why don't they just do, well, when I was on campus, you know, we ran this program and that program and that program. And I'm saying, guys, that's not going to work anymore. Uh, right. It is not 1992 okay, or, or 82 or 72. And it's a completely different generation with a different set of pressures. And I also want alumni to know this, that universities have an adversarial relationship on balance with Greek life. There are some presidents who are very supportive of Greek life. We see this with the president at UVA, for example, but that's a rarity. A lot of presidents and a lot of deans of students, a lot of vice presidents of student life, et cetera, really have a love-hate relationship with fraternities, and fraternities are really under threat. And they're under threat. I, I, just, saw a, I just saw today that Stanford University has basically, basically taken Sigma Chi's house away from them on a oh, land wow. grab. And, and we saw this happening during COVID, where it was almost like eminent domain. Mm -hmm. The universities would come and take the house away and, and not let the, the sororities or, 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 or the fraternities use the, use the house. So there are some major, major threats that fraternities see today that they didn't see 20, 30 years ago. And, and, and one last part here, which I think is important as well, kind of a, a third thing that comes to mind, is that sure. there's just not a lot of guys going to college anymore. Mm -hmm. And fraternities are going to have to really think critically, creatively about that fact. Right. Beginning in the fall of, of 2021, sorry, uh, 2022, 61% uh, of all college freshmen were women. Mm-hmm. And that's just trending upwards. And this, by the way, this isn't just the small liberal arts schools. Those small liberal arts colleges, it's pushing 70, 75 percent. These are the big, big football schools, the, the big power five conference schools and the big right. 10 and the big 12 and the SEC. Those are those are skewing predominantly women. So the the available pool of young men that fraternities have to draw from is shrinking. 
And those are the sorts of challenges that alumni didn't have to worry about, right? I mean, in right. the 80s and 90s, it was this influx of guys. But now it's totally different. The average high school guy doesn't even think about college, doesn't even want to go to college, is thinking about maybe going right into tech, uh, right out of college, right? And so that landscape is different. And because the number of, of young men who go to college isn't what it used to be, that available pool is also shrinking. I'll also say this on this on this point. Lastly, here, the types of men themselves mm-hmm. are is different. Right. The sort of hyper driven kind of type A guy, you know, a lot of those guys aren't going to college. And so the the the, the constitution of the population of guys has also made a made a major shift. And and those are really, I think, some some challenges that that didn't exist. I think, I think it, it just calls for a new wave of creativity to think about these sort of threats and, and, and I would say opportunities, I think, yeah, uh, to, to do some different things. Yeah, absolutely. I think you brought up many great points that, you know, can be scary when we think about, about them as, you know, a fraternity and as a men's organization. Um, and I know that, you know, Troy, you you talk about all of these statistics a lot with, with the Office of Administration uh, team in just the sense that there are so many men that we are not hitting and that are not going to college. Um, so Troy, from your perspective and Lambda Chi Alpha, you know, how how do you think that this is affecting us? Well, you know, Dr. Bradley used the right word. It, it's a significant opportunity for reinvention. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the point of view that we are taking. Uh, 8% of men that come to college campuses join a fraternity. That means 92% don't. So there's a significant uh, market of men that are not having their needs met by the traditional, um, and Dr. Bradley points out, stereotypical because of the movies in his book, um, fraternity. Uh, and we have an opportunity to go back to the beginning and build a fraternity on you know, belonging, character, competence, and, and prepare them to become successful husbands, fathers, community leaders. And um, because, and this is this, you know, I, forget, I think it was Rahm Emanuel, never let a crisis go to waste. This is such an esoteric threat to our industry. It's allowing us, like we're working on partnerships with Phi Delta Theta Antique, which never would have happened before. But how do we partner to create more uh, character-based programming across the platform so we can help more men? I think it's causing folks to start to work together um, so that the, the our boat doesn't sink with the tide. And if, if I can add to that, I think this, the, the movement toward it being character-based and formation focus is key to, to doing two things. One, kind of changing the national stereotype. I think, I think unfortunately, because it's a bunch of really stupid movies and because of the news cycle, your average parent of a high school student has already told their kid, hey, you, know, you will not join a fraternity. Or high school students are thinking, ah, I want to go to this college, but I don't know if I want to join a fraternity because they're afraid of it, Mm -hmm. right? Because they've heard really horrible stories. Some stories true, some inflated, a bunch of dumb movies, things like that. And and to sort of reposition Greek life as a place of formation, Mm 
mm-hmm. as a place of 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 building of building men into great men, uh, taking good men, making them great, uh, making them better. That character formation, that sort of virtue emphasis, I think, is the key in the future to changing the brand. And by that, I don't mean necessarily Lambda Chi Alpha. I mean the brand of what fraternity life is like, period. Right. And and here's the thing. If if fraternities at the national level don't make this shift, they're done. The character formation emphasis has to lead because that's what's going to draw parents to be open to it. It's right. going to put universities in a position that they're going to have to keep them because here's the fact there is no other virtue forming character forming institution on their campus for men that has the sort of track record on success that fraternities have period. Mm-hmm. So I would ask a, a college president this, do you want character shaping virtue forming institutions on your campus for your men yes or no if the answer is yes then you have to position yourself to support fraternities and to make sure that they're the kinds of of institutions that live out their own values i mean Mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about lambda chi alpha and and any fraternity when you look at the history and i was really encouraged to hear uh, troy say this sort of recovering its own history Mm-hmm. Right. Living its own values and its own history. That's where the, the magic is. That's the secret sauce. And unfortunately, a lot of chapters have gotten away from that. Uh, what, what they've done, what they've done is they have they are living out their fraternity's life in terms of their own imagination. And the chapters and the fraternity's vision and values and mission is like an addendum. But if, it, if a chapter actually focuses on the actual vision and mission and values of the fraternity historically and really invites more guys into that, they're going to they, 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 have a recruitment problem. And the problem will be too many guys, <laughs> right? We can't house as many guys. We can't process as many applications. We got guys beating down the door trying to get in here. And and we got to figure out what to do with, with all these guys. I mean, if if it's true, right, sort of think about it, that 92 percent of guys are missing out on this. There's an opportunity to, to bring them in. But what's going to bring them in is the same thing that 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 successful football coaches do when they bring guys in. You're not here to play football. We're here to make you a better man. And you right? bring up a great point about football. It's amazing how, you know, I love football, Taylor. Oh, I know you do. I'm fascinated (laughs) by coaches and by recruitment. And the Mm -hmm. best coaches bring in amazing recruits and they'll get stacked. And my wife will say, well, how come they don't go to schools where they know they're going to play? I'm like, because they want to be coached hard. They want to be made the best version of themselves they can be. And they're willing to take a risk to get that. And I think, I think fraternity got scared of actually, um, living, holding ourselves up to our own standards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you, when, unfortunately, once you start to take a step down that slippery slope, it's really hard to recover. And it's kind of taken this, this, uh, 
the last few years for us as, a, as an industry to realize, no, we got to go back and we have to really hold the line on what it is to be a good man. But I think it's a great analogy for us to, uh, to follow is people don't go play for Coach Saban or Coach Sweeney because they think it's going to be easy. No. <laughs> no, I want it to be easy. Yeah, right. and, and if, you, if you listen to what the players say about why they chose Alabama, why they chose Clemson, why? why? Because they, they know it's a place where they're going to leave better people. Yes, they're going to get great skills. They're going to get exposure. All those things you can get that at, at lots of programs. But there's there's a few things that get emphasized in football recruiting. One is love. So if you talk to Debo Sweeney's former players, they're gonna like the coach loves us. We love each other. Yeah. Right. And then brotherhood. It's just it's just a fact. They talk about their players like it's a family. Like these are my brothers. I would die for them. Yada yada yada. Right. And that's exactly where fraternity is. In fact, you might call sort of D one football programs a, a version of, of a fraternity. And and, and that in that sense. And and what I've seen across the country is that when I interview guys about why they join fraternities, that's what they say. Mm-hmm categorically it's about them being sharpened into becoming better men and then secondly they want sort of deep and enduring friendships characterized by brotherhood right and when that when when those sorts of things are the things that lead with the vision and the mission and the values and things like that i mean you've got you've got the formula for success and sustainability right you don't have to pull tricks and try to gimmick guys into joining uh, because those are the values that are going to be there. And once that's the reputation on campus, as is the reputation of these good football programs, right, that will speak for itself. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I think that us talking about all of these great benefits that fraternity can provide men. Um, But also kind of going back to the statistics that we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, when we think about higher ed, you know, in your mind, Dr. Bradley, how can we as Landakai Fraternity or other organizations in general, be creative about how we, you know, get members to join? That's a fantastic question. So one of the things that's true, and this, and this is something that I've done with with my own chapter at at Clemson and and Alpha Phi Alpha is really invest in recruitment and Mm -hmm. to sort of help the chapter know that actually you're always recruiting. Yeah. Right. You're you're always you're always recruiting. There isn't a point where where the ways in which you move around on campus, you're not building a reputation that's going to affect recruiting. Here's what I mean. So when, when a chapter's reputation is really great on campus, when freshmen show up on campus and they get asked questions and, and they're asking questions about what chapter should I, what fraternity should I rush, your name's coming up. Mm-hmm. And who they're going to ask? They're going to ask their older siblings that might have gone to the school. They're going to ask their friends that have gone to the school. I've been in parent groups. The parents have been talking about it when the, when the guys were in senior, when they were in seniors in high school. I, I'm serious. These are the four fraternities at this school that that your child should rush. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're always yeah. recruiting and reputation building. You're always doing that. 
And I think insofar as chapters are aware that in one sense, rush kind of never ends, right? You're sort of always presenting your best to the community on, on, on your campus. I think, I think those are the sorts of things that will, will really impact that, that level of creativity. I think secondly, and this is where I've kind of pushed back against some of the, the ways in which fraternities justify themselves. So when I talk to a lot of chapters, they'll say that, you know, we're really great because we do philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a lot of things in the community. We do a lot of things, you know, 30 miles down the road. We do a lot of things in another country. And, and I want fraternities to think about themselves this way, that it's great that, that your service, that you have great service opportunities in the community, mm-hmm. but your first community is the campus. Mm, right. Right. That's your very first community. And so you want to position yourself, and I, I think I, may, I said this last time, you want to position yourself as a chapter that if you threatened to leave, the president of the university would beg you to stay mm. because you're actually adding value to the campus. Right. Right. You're not just adding value to your chapter inside your house, or you're actually adding value to the to the campus. So what would it look like for fraternity chapters to look for opportunities to serve the student body very visibly on campus? And this right. might be something as simple as like picking up trash on campus. Mm-hmm. This might be something as simple as helping to clean up after a football game or basketball game on campus. Right. Sure. This might be volunteering to, to be tour guides on campus for admissions. This might be volunteering to serve at a, at a faculty appreciation dinner or something like that. Right. But, yeah. but look to look for ways that you can serve other students and the staff and the faculty, because as you build that great reputation as being as being an institution on campus that makes the campus better. Mm-hmm. That is going to right uh, feed back into and, and and serve you as an institution that will be recommended by alumni, by other students that are independents, by parents, by administrators, et cetera. And so in, in, in that sense, it's sort of like a business, right? A business is always doing marketing. Right. I mean, they sell products, but they're always doing marketing. That when you walk around campus wearing your Greek letters, you're you're recruiting. Yeah. Right? When you host a party on the weekends, you're recruiting. Uh, whatever you do in public, you're basically recruiting. And so those are the sorts of things I think, you know, can really help a chapter see that in order for us to really draw the kind of men that we need and want, they kind of reach that 92 percent of guys who are missing out on all of this. We have to remember that we are. We are both kind of inward focused and doing things in our chapter, but we're also outward focused. And that's an ongoing process of what it means for us to be a chapter on that campus. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you 100 percent. And it's it's funny that you bring that up because I just got done uh, having conversation about brand with one of our other team members. And you're so right. It's, you know, when you're wearing your letters, when you're representing Lambda Chi, you're representing 
all of Lambda Chi. Um, and I think that, you know, one of our big pushes is 365 day recruitment. And you're so right that you are always recruiting by your actions, how you carry yourself on campus, what you're doing on campus and in your communities. So I think that's a great reminder for everyone. So Troy, in your mind, um, from that Lambda Chi Alpha perspective, how can we be creative in you know, recruiting members and offering Lambda Chi Alpha membership? Well, I mean, I mean we're doing all the little things. I mean, we're reinventing our programming, uh, trying to make it much more soul-centered than social-centered. <laughs> right. uh, we're emphasizing 365-day recruitment, but you know, in so many ways, um, yeah, I think we got to blow up the whole box. I mean, mm -hmm. this is the only industry that has not evolved since the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I can't think of another one, um, which means it's time. <laughs> right. I, um, I think what a lot of men, a lot of young men need in their life are these heroic father figures. So much like, much like your fraternity, we have to figure out how we're going to extend beyond college. So there's something for men to graduate into. Because if you're an 18-year-old and you know that if I'm going to be with these amazing men for the rest of my life, and as I move, there's going to be a group to help me as a young father. There's going to be a group to help me as a as a as a young executive. And there's going to be a you know, God forbid something happens in my marriage or uh, you know to my children. There's going to be men there for me throughout my life, and I'm going to get a job. And that's and that's what we all want. Um, I've been in different groups, luckily throughout my professional career, but they're not quite the same because we don't have that shared foundational moment. And there's 268,000 Lambda Chi's, we should be helping each other throughout yeah. our lifetime. And I think that's one thing structurally that we're working to do is to make this a lifetime of, of brotherhood, which we say, but it's not true. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, talking about how do you, how do you recruit people? Who doesn't want that? Um, and then I think of the more good men we have, and in my mind, you know, uh, I have, you know, Atticus Finch from, from To Kill a Mockingbird, but if he was in every chapter, we would have less of the, uh, of the selfish men and we'd have more of the men that are looking to be more like him because he would repel the selfish and yeah. he would attract uh, the noble. And, you know, that's what, if we don't solve that problem, then I think fraternity is in serious trouble too, because we can't do this from the, from the headquarters level. There's not enough of us um, and we don't have enough reach, but we can sure do it if we mobilize 20 to 50,000 good men uh, to help other men become the best version of themselves. So, you know, it's, there's, the, there's the micro, that's the macro. Right. And from, from our perspective, it really starts with, with recruitment videos. I mean, I've, I'm following about 2,500 fraternities across the country right now. And I, every day I'm watching recruitment videos. Right. And it, it is, I mean, if, if you want, if, if you want a tutorial on the lack of innovation, uh -huh. every time I see, every time I see a recruitment video with a bunch of guys wearing a toga at a party, <laughs> right. holding, a, holding a red sippy cup, my eyes roll mm -hmm. uh, because I'm like, it, it's not 1978 guys. Uh, you're smart. Uh, we can innovate and do some new things. The best recruitment videos I've, I've seen across the country are the ones where they emphasize the values and the mission and the vision of the chapter. In fact, in fact, 
I'll say it this way. You should be able to, in a recruitment video, pop up a word with every scene that's attached to a value or a mission statement or the mission of the fraternity, right? Right. It's, it's little things like that. I mean, it starts with a recruitment video. And, and I would invite the chapter presidents to say this way. I mean, do you just want a party? I mean, do you just want an organization, just a social club to have fun in? Or do you really want to build men into lifelong relationships that make them better and make the country better? Right. You know, every fraternity has a massive alumni association and, and those have have not been tapped yet. It's like an oil well of resources that I think needs to be recovered because that's the saving grace of Greek life in the future is going to be the alumni who benefited from those relationships. And they're going to have to get more involved, I think, uh, on their on their campuses. Yeah. You know, Taylor, the, the most visceral example of the right way to recruit is, is yeah. in, in videos, as Dr. Bradley points out, was that episode of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy that we were profiled on our New Orleans chapter. Totally. Uh, I, had, I had twin daughters at uh, a high, large high school here, and they came home the Monday after that aired, and like, Dad, all these guys were coming up to me saying they want to be Lambda Chi's. Wow. Um, and I said, why? And they said, they want that campfire, that scene around the fire. Mm -hmm. that's what they want. No, no, that the man that was in here today, that 78 year old alumnus, he didn't talk to me about the parties he went to. He didn't even remember, you know, that's, that's gone. He talked about these formational moments that he had with these other men. And if that's what we're recruiting with, you're right, Dr. Bradley, we will succeed. And then we will have the right members. Uh, Yeah. I, uh, I, I do pester our marketing team because every morning I look at the Instagram videos and I'm like, yeah, we got to please email this chapter and tell them to take that video down. Yeah. hundred percent. And then we explain well, to them why and they get it after you explain yeah. it. But, um, right. But we, they just don't get it first. Right. Well, and, yeah. And that's, and that's because again, for them, and this is not their fault. I mean, they're operating out of their imaginations uh, of, of a paradigm in the past. Mm-hmm. And and for a lot of them, and this is something I invite chapters to do, sort of think about what it means for you to actually live out your house, your your, your values, to live out the mission, to, to sort of embed these principles into your daily life, to make them a habit. Like, how do you ritualize right. and habituate the values of Lambda Chi, the mission of Lambda Chi into your daily life. And, and when you do that, it will it will naturally affect the way you represent your chapter. It will become your default way of thinking about it. So when it comes to making a video about it, you're, that'll be a part of your, your sort of imaginative DNA right. about how you think the, the chapter should be should be represented. It's just a wonderful opportunity, and and I would incur, I would say it this way: you have a cheat sheet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have a cheat sheet with all the with the mission statement, the vision statement, all the values. Just do that. Yeah. Represent that. Show that. Celebrate that. Right. Make that attractive, and you'll get the right kind of men. And, and Taylor, it's a it's a great way to teach them a a key business lesson. Yeah. Uh, like Dr. Bradley pointed out in the first episode, you know, how dumb these, these rankings are. Mm-hmm. But the reason I think a lot of these videos are the way they are is they see the cool chapter doing this crazy video and they think, well, we have to do it too. 
It's like, no, that's not how differentiation works. You're not going to outdo be stupid. Um, right. You've got to give, you've got to go after that 92% of the men that want something different. The 8% of the men that just want to party are already going to those places. Right. So you, you've got to offer them something more because um, they're, they're desperate for it. And uh, the more we can have voices like yours, trusted voices, right? Because anything that comes from the Office of Administration is, is not a trusted voice. Trusted <laughs> voices help tell the story in a way that we cannot. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I kind of want, we've talked about so many great things in this, in this episode. Um, and I kind of want to just bring it all together and ask both of you, what would be your key takeaway, you know, from this conversation that you would want uh, our viewers to, to take with them? So uh, Dr. Bradley, can I'm going to start with Can I ask yep. a question after that? Absolutely. You can. Okay. Thank so Dr. Bradley, I'm going to talk uh, or I'm going to go with you uh, for your biggest takeaway. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's, I think I, I would, I would probably sort of best summarize it as, as innovate for the future. Don't replicate the past. Mm. Innovate for that. the future. Don't replicate the past because we need universities we need a country with a with a completely different type of of man who are leading institutions. We need some fresh set of values to be infused in our culture. Yeah. And so you have to start innovating your chapters for that for that purpose. It's kind of innovating for the future and making it when you do that, you have to make the, this return to experience about more than the four years. This is a lifelong journey that is forged by a brotherhood that has suffered together and laughed together and, and you know, uh, experienced the blood and sweat and tears of, of college. Yeah. And that's part of the innovation process. How do we make that central to what we're doing so guys are thinking about not just four years, but 10 years and 20 mm -hmm. years and 40 years and 50 years that these are the guys I want to, I'm going to do life with. I mean, these are the guys that are going to be at my wedding. They're going to be at my kids, uh, high school graduation. In fact, my, my son might marry my fraternity brother's daughter. Right. I mean, these are the sorts yeah. of things that you should be thinking about. Like who are the kind of men that I want my kids to be in relationship with in the future, the surrogate uncles, right? I mean, and to be thinking long-term about the fraternity life experience. So you're, 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 you're rushing and you're pledging for a lifetime of relationship and brotherhood and service and loyalty and belonging and community, not just three or four years. And, right. and candidly, I think one of the reasons why I think chapters get suspended, to be honest, is that they think they have to do all of that, all of that lifelong stuff in four years. Mm. Yeah. And so they make dumb decisions because they think, well, if I don't do this now, I'm not, I'm not going to have this when I get out. And I'm like, actually, if you think more about it in terms of a lifetime of a, of a brotherhood, there's some things that you can do later, right? right. I mean, if you guys want to take the, 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 the really expensive trip 
and go parachute off off of out of an airplane and land on on a <laughs> volcano. You can do that when you're 30, right? Once you've got some money, right? You have a good insurance policy, right? Right? You got a good insurance policy. Your right. wife's telling you that you can't do it, right? And you're like, well, actually, maybe this is a bad idea, right? Yeah. And just sort of and 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 to delay something because you don't have to you don't have to get it all in because you're not you're not going to miss out on on a brotherhood that extends beyond beyond college. So that's sort of how I would, would summarize that. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So that's fantastic. Troy, what would you say your biggest takeaway is? That I am so glad I got to meet Dr. Bradley. I mean, you are, uh, <laughs> you are such a, uh, a breath of fresh air in terms of somebody who's actually using data to support the fact that we can actually be a force for good and then giving us models to follow, um, I think is, is is so important. Um, I agree with you completely. We, we have to help men throughout their lifetime. Um, you know, we've, I've been the CEO of Lambda Chi Alpha for four years and we've had 19 suicides. I don't think Lambda Chi had had more than four since uh, 1909. So there is a there is a set of needs that are that, that have to be met in this generation, as you pointed out earlier, and we have to. There's nobody else, right? So we have to. It's, it's our social responsibility to, to meet this moment, and our ability to partner with 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 men like you to help show us the way, I think, is key. So you know, what my question I was going to ask is what what type of models? I can't think of one other than like your fraternity that has created kind of this holistic uh, relationship from say 18 to, to 98, because I, I hope we don't have to create it from scratch. We will, if we have to, but we need to figure out who we're going to partner with. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think, and, and this is something I'll say briefly in, in the book, I think the, the sort of black Greek experience is, is what you all want. I mean, what we do in the divine nine, right? Alpha Phi mm-hmm. Alpha, Cap Alpha Psi. I mean, that's what you want. So, so one of the structures, just to kind of help you see how this works, is that when you graduate from college, you're in a chapter. But then when you move to Dallas, you actually join a graduate chapter, which mm-hmm. is a chapter of alumni. Right. And so there's a whole nother opportunity to stay connected and so when, when the conventions come, the undergraduate chapters show up, but all the grad chapters show up as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's a way in which you sort of maintain this level of connection is to set up in, in pods across the country, major cities where your alumni are, graduate chapters, different mm-hmm. chapters that are just for alumni. Now, what the Black Greeks do also is that you can you can – pledge alpha phi alpha as a 40 year old mm-hmm. right so we have a grad chapter and you can bring them in at any point in life right they there's it's almost the same sort of you know sort of rushing and, and, and pledging process you just you just have a day job but at night you know you're showing up for fraternity stuff you're memorizing history and and doing all the things like that and so i, I think sort of having that sort of black Greek model 
as a way of framing for your alumni. Hey, you know, we can do this differently. We don't have to think about it as just a, as just the four years, because there's a whole entire model of how Greek life is lifelong. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I notice when I, when I look at the, the photos and videos on Instagram is that when you look at any undergraduate chapter on, on an HBCU campus or a campus like Clemson, where you'll have like, like Alpha Phi Alpha, for example, is that every now and then in a, in a, in a, in a photo, you have a bunch of guys with, with beards and gray hair in the picture. And you're like, what is, what is, what's, <laughs> like, what, what's going on? Because it's just seamless in, in that sense. Anyone who's local is a part of the chapter. Yeah. And they they come around, they support events, they might cook food, <laughs> right? I mean, they're they're always they're always a part of that. So I, I don't I don't think that you have to do anything new or in terms of innovation. Perhaps the big innovation is activating the alumni to constitute itself as a force for caring about these young guys. And I, I think I think what you earlier Troy was was really descriptive of what this generation really longs for they are longing for older men to care about them and and to invest in them and to pay attention to them and I think bringing alumni in for that and having alumni meet together across the country in various cities to talk about how to do that uh, I think will will sort of introduce this pipeline that will make it seamless so that the expectation, and this is true in the black Greek fraternities, the expectation is that when you become a member of a black Greek organization, it's a lifetime commitment, Mm -hmm. right? And so the way that we see it is that the first three or four years in college is actually preparation for becoming an alumni member Got it. because that's when you have the, the major impact mm-hmm. in the community. Cause now you're a judge <laughs> or a doctor right. right, or CEO. And so what are we doing in those four years to get them ready to be in the graduate or alumni chapter? Because that's where they can leverage themselves to really make a massive difference in the country. That's awesome. I can see the gears turning in Troy's head right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that's the best model. I think it's the only model. Yeah. And that's what we, if that's where we must go. 100%. 100%. Yeah. When, when, when people ask me, what's the difference between sort of white fraternities, sort of IFC fraternities and some of the uh, panhellenic ones, right? The sort of black green ones. That's what I tell them. The big mm-hmm. difference is what happens after graduation. That's that's the major difference. And in the Black Greek model, you you graduate into something else. Mm-hmm. You don't graduate to terminate. You graduate into the alumni version of what it means to be in your fraternity. I think that's great. I think that's you know that's a great thought and something that we can you know we can benefit from as well. Um, 
So I just, I want to thank you again, Dr. Bradley, for taking the time to talk to us in this um, second part. So we've got one more part. Um, I think that each conversation just keeps getting better. Um, and so I can't wait to see uh, how we kind of close out this, um, this series. So thank you, Troy, so much for joining us and giving your insight. Um, I always like, you know, talking to you about this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, thank it's, thank you, Dr. Bradley. You're, you're very welcome. And if, if, if any alumni are listening to this, I, I want them to know as someone who researches fraternities across the country, the fact that you have a CEO, who's actually thinking about innovating as opposed to trying to repackage the past uh, is an outlier. And that if, if you're looking for something to, to invest in, in terms of making your fraternity better and bigger and stronger than it was in the past uh, with, with this CEO, you, you should be confident that good things are coming because I won't, I won't name them, but, there are some fraternities out there who, who, who are not on board with the data. They don't get it. And, and they're, they're simply basically putting lipstick on a pig, and, they, and they're going to be done. And it seems, it seems Atlanta Chi Alpha, uh, with, with Troy as, as CEO, is at least concerned enough with the data to think about innovation and I'm, I'm really happy and excited for you all in the, in the future. Well, thank you. I, yes. I can tell you from, from past experience, data is scary. You know, people, cause then you have to do something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you both again for, for joining me um, on this, this really great conversation. Um, and I can't wait to, to see the third part. So thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow, that was that was a great conversation. And I, I know we say this every time, but it truly was um, amazing to hear uh, the uh, just kind of the discourse between Troy and Dr. Bradley. These two have never met before. So I think it was really cool that they had the opportunity to bounce off of each other. Um, some really great ideas. So thank you again so much to Dr. Bradley. Um, as I said, I was going to plug his book again. It's a great read. You can find it on Amazon. I would just really encourage anyone who supports fraternities, Greek life, or is in a fraternity. You know, if you're watching this, you're probably part of Lambda Kai in some way. Um, but it's called Heroic Fraternities. Um, um, and it is available on Amazon, like I said, so check it out. Um, but we are going to kind of wrap up this three-part series next time. And my my good old buddy, Mike Covert, is going to be back for that one. I'm very excited. And we're also going to be joined by Simon Taylor, who is our uh, chief learning officer. So he's going to get into, um, you know, how we can differentiate ourselves as Lambda Chi Alpha um, through means such as this new Lambda Chi Academy offerings that um, kind of enhance that, that brotherhood and that fraternity experience. So super excited about that. So make sure to join us for that third part. And on behalf of myself and everyone at the Office Administration, thanks for watching.